0: Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Warsniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast. If you're already doing so, thank you and tell your friends to do so as well. Besides NHTE.net, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, as well as on Spotify and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at NHTE.net. The show is on a whole bunch more, though, so don't worry if you don't see your favorite on there. Look for this show almost anywhere that you get podcasts. Joining me today on location from The NAMM Show in Anaheim, California, my guest is a keyboardist who hails from Texas. He works in a variety of styles from instrumental jazz to gospel to hip-hop and R&B. He emerged in the 90s by building his reputation as a session player and his willingness and ability to be a subtle part of each band. He has four Grammy wins, including one with the jazz fusion phenomenon Snarky Puppy. You've been hearing a song of his called Lotus, It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Sean Martin.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Bruce. Hey,
0: everybody. You bet. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's have you start off by telling the listeners about the song that we were just playing called Lotus.
1: All right. Lotus is uh, (laughs) off of my Seven Summers album. It's a song that uh, I created back, so let me give you a little little more background. Seven Summers is an album that, uh, my first solo album that I created, and I, titled it seven summers because it took me seven years to make it right so (laughs) and so over the course of those seven summers i did a lot of traveling um of course with snarky with kirk franklin i was able to see a lot of things um as i continued to write and finish producing my record and so lotus there was a song i called lotus flower bomb um it was like a a hip-hop song but i never really knew i knew two things about a lotus one was the perfume which is what the song was (laughs) and then the car lotus Oh, this, yeah, you know, yeah. So you know, so um, so it kind of made me dig a little bit deeper about the meaning of you know what lotus is, and as I started to write the song, and I I could hear where everything was kind of blossoming, even like through the key changes and everything, everything was kind of blossoming and becoming this thing, you know, um, it kind of led me to title the song lotus. But it's it's I like it. it's a very very uh, um pushing song, you know, it, it, it keeps it's always looks like it's like a train, it's always going. You know. I
0: like that. As, as you were starting to describe it and you said that it was starting to blossom, it's like, hey, was like a lotus. It's like, yeah, exactly. exactly. But mm-hmm. <laughs> did did you kind of have that sort of revelation, that sort of aha moment as you were doing it? Or was it like?
1: No, I I have the very, very bad habit of titling songs long after I've written them. Oh. And so like after I listen to it over and over and over again, and then I just kind of like meditate and figure out kind of what like, what speaks to me. And, that, and like I say, you know, as we had recorded the song, I, I had like multiple takes, you know, and as we recorded the song and I listened to it over and over, it was like this thing, is like it grows, you know, once it starts, like it just doesn't stop. It just, it's continually growing. So that's kind of where it came from.
0: When you said you had multiple takes, of the same version and just seeing which one came out best or there were different
1: variations in no of- it was multiple versions just to see uh, see which one came out the best yeah okay you know okay. because when I one, one thing I don't do which I probably should do um, and if you're listening this is really a bad habit is I don't really rehearse before I go into the studio I kind of want everything to be raw you know I have enough I have enough basically uh, I, can, I guess I could say I have enough expertise at this point where I can explain what it is I'm looking for You know, And if they understand, if they get it, then it's cool. And I work with a lot of people that I work with regularly. So we kind of all... so they get you. I was
0: starting to laugh because on episode 310, so seven weeks ago, my guest was Joey Stuckey. He's a blind. Yeah. uh, He's out of Macon, Georgia. He's Mm -hmm. an award-winning guitarist, composer, singer, songwriter, and sound engineer. Mm -hmm. And so I asked him, as someone who owns and operates recording studio... You know, what's kind of one of the biggest pet peeves of yours that you see when people come in and he said the recording studio is not, not a rehearsal, rehearsal space, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you did a really good job of clarifying that, you know, I kinda of don't really go in rehearse. However, right. you know, right. you've been at this a little bit yeah, and yeah. you're working with the same people, they kinda of get you, so there is a difference. So yeah, I'm glad yeah. you But I'm also I'm also glad that you talked about titling the songs because I've always wondered when someone releases instrumental music, like, how do they know what right. to title it?
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that is a, It's definitely um, something that you think about because you want the song and the song title to speak to you, you know, um, because there are no words. So people have to basically equate your melody to this title with nothing in between, you know. There's no lyric explaining why I call it Lotus, or yeah. you know, nothing. It's like, no, nah, I call it Lotus because this is what it sounds like. This is what it feels like, and you know, there, there it is.
0: Well, and similarly, if someone's going to tell their friend, "Oh my gosh, you get to hear this cool song by, by Sean Martin," they're going to go, "Well, what's the name of it?" Um, um, right. You know, because they're trying to look for the hook. Right. You know, or they're so it's like the song title. Like you better remember it, and and then when you get there, it better say like, yeah, that does kind of evoke some exactly some thoughts about Lotus and I apologize by the way I think I cut you off before you were about to say something when I was saying about the whole uh rehearsal thing and how you've been at this for a little bit and and the people get you that you work with
1: yeah well no I mean it's it's just it's just that you know like the the guys that I work with I work with them uh quite frequently so you know like I said you know they get me but that but but that is a very true statement the studio is not a rehearsal hall like it's better to go go in and like I say you know rehearse a lot of times I, I already know what's happening in my head. So as long as I are able to kind of communicate it, because I, I do, I like that raw, you know, I like the raw feeling of it. I like, sometimes I like the mistakes, you know, you know, I like the, especially in a day and time where so much music is computer generated, you know, it's good to go in, you know, and, you know, the drummer player might play a, a wrong note here. It's cool. He's human. You know, the bass player might, you know, play this phrase too short but it feels good because it's human, you know.
0: Is it also a case, though, of I want the guitar player, I want the bass player, I want these guys to feel like there is a
1: little bit of room for them to embellish? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: For it not to be so perfect and so polished you go,
1: this is what you're playing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because so many of the records that we know and love, even like the stuff, you know, pre-Pro Tools, you know, you know, there are a lot of rules and, you know, and, and rigidness but I like, to, I, like to feel, I like to feel like there are humans in the room playing music. You know, there's somebody that's breathing and they're, and they're emoting and they're interpreting and they're, you know, bringing this idea in my, you know, crazy head to life. You know, which it also speaks to, that process also speaks to chemistry too. I mean, you know, when you have guys that, I, you know, the drummer on Lotus, I've been knowing since I was a freshman in high school. You know, we've been playing music now for 30 years together, you know, you know, so (laughs) the bass player, you know, it's so it's kind of that vibe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Listeners, I appreciate everybody who listens, even those of you who are new. Many of you may just be hearing this show for the first time because you specifically came to hear what Sean and I were going to talk about because you're a fan. You're a follower of here. Thank you very much, whether you know it or not. I did at the beginning of 2020 overhaul the Patreon for this show back then as 2020 began. I announced this on the Instagram account for Now Hear This Entertainment and in the weekly e-newsletter that comes out every Wednesday that I was overhauling the Patreon, and it's to the point where you can now get bonus content that is ad-free only through that method and all for just 5 bucks a month. So Sean and I are going to be talking about even more over on there, plus there are already audio files up there from the last two months of NHTE episodes. Hit the show website, nhte.net, and then click on the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button for access and more details. So, Sean, you have quite the musical upbringing, starting from an early age. For the benefit of our listeners, can you kind of fill them in on your musical roots?
1: Sure, sure. Well, I started taking classical piano lessons when I was about four years old. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, my mom and my mom and dad were like, well, if you're going to play this, you know, get some structure. So that was cool, you know. I did that forever, um, and then, of course, growing up in church, you know, you know, in church everybody does everything. You know, if you do, you know, you either you play an instrument or you're an usher or you're a, a deacon or you, you know, everybody does everything. You know, that's how the church functions. So, I, you know, I would play drums at church and I would take classical piano lessons, um, and that, that was my and I parking there parenthetically i also played soccer but i was a terrible soccer player <laughs> i was an asthmatic and everything like it was really kind of bad i think my dad just wanted me to be somewhat athletic but I mean, it to get
0: some some exercise some type of exercise <laughs> it
1: was terrible oh gosh you need
0: to do physical fitness go play uh, yeah yeah soccer or something. exactly
1: you know it, it was fun but i mean you know it's kind of i was just terrible <laughs> you know but but I, I, I played a lot of classical a lot of um gospel and then my classical piano teacher, Miss Campbell, she started introducing me to jazz, and I'll never forget. She had she bought the first, uh, the first time I'd ever seen a CD when CDs oh. first came out. <laughs> you know, she bought a uh, the first CD she bought was John Coltrane, Giant Steps, and she was like, "This is the way to go." And she was telling my class. I was like, "What's a CD? I used to cassette tapes." You know, but and she she would sit us down and you know go through all these different arrangements for John Coltrane and Duke Ellington and, and she started you know turning us on to Earl Garner because those were the people of her generation. She was a much yeah, older lady, yeah. you know Earl Garner and. But
0: still, though, terrific legends. To if you're going to start from start somebody, from my hey, gosh. Hey,
1: listen, I, I mean, if there's nothing there's nothing more mind blowing than being 14 and hearing the Oscar Peterson record for the first time, <laughs> and it's like, what the you know like, and then after you hear that you hear this rare recording of like Art Tatum and they sound like one and the same, you know, it's like, they both sound like they're just phenomenally supercharged or something, you know, (laughs) you know, so like, you know, so, you know, growing up, I played a lot of classical, played a lot of jazz, played a lot of gospel. And those were kind of my roots um, through, I mean, throughout, throughout college, through high school, college, uh, even still to this day, you know.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Well, just to move up a little bit, in time in the late 90s you began a long time association with gospel artist kirk franklin as his musical director right with him you would win three best album grammys
1: yeah we yeah we did um that was actually four four now and we're nominated for another one um this coming up sunday for the for the grammys yeah so I'll I'll be right back out here, West Coast. <laughs> you so know, did you start
0: working with Kirk right after college?
1: Right after high school actually. After high school. Right wow. after high school. We recorded this album called God's Property. Um we actually recorded it the week after I graduated from high school in nineteen ninety six, May of nineteen ninety six. And it went on to go what triple platinum I think it is now. Um won Grammys. Um it's you know that was kind of that was kind of like the start, and then after that, you know, Kirk had other groups, and I was still in, I was still in college. I went to go I went to go work with Erica Badu for a minute. Um, we did the Mama's Gun album, Bag Lady, and you know that album meant to go on to be double platinum. Um, and then I kind of circled back around to Kirk because Kirk and Erica hometown heroes for us, Dallas, Texas. You know, and so with Kirk, he was wanting to do more, and I was wanting to do more. So he asked me if I want to co co-produce these records with him.
0: Okay, I got to interrupt you because yeah. you know when you're talking about a legend like John Coltrane in one genre, then you switch genres to gospel and you talk about Kirk Franklin. Right. So how does a kid coming out of high school get to work with Kirk Franklin of all people?
1: Well, you know what? Through the whole so it, it kind of started through the whole God's property thing because God's property was a community choir. And Kirk and God's Property would collaborate all the time. We used to have these things called uh, Gospel Fests in Dallas. And it would be at Six Flags Amusement Parks. And Kirk would have, he had his own group of the family. And then God's Property was a separate choir. And he would have God's Property come out, you know, and join him on things. Well, over time, that became more and more frequent, you know. And so that's kind of how we built, that's how we built our relationship. We've been knowing each other for a long time, just from the community you know going to different churches going to different gospel uh, uh musicals and doing you know all kinds of things around doing all kinds of things around the community.
0: And you you playing piano along the way you abandoned the drums obviously at some point.
1: Yeah, my friends were better than me on drums, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I still play every once in a while, but 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 Kirk knew you in a piano as, playing as, sense as piano from play. church
0: mm-hmm. and from the community. Yep. I see. Cuz wow. he's
1: cuz he's a piano player as well. You know, so yeah, he he knew he knew more of that side of me.
0: Well you started to mention her name so we're continuing on this timeline listeners with Sean in the year 2000 you were performing and co-writing with Erica Badu on her sophomore album called Mama's Gun. She right. went to the same high school as you which right. is cool. Was it at the same time like did you did you know her from there?
1: No no, Erica's a little little bit older than me. But but the way that our high school works every time um or every every chance that you get as an alumni, you always go back and work with the students. Oh, wow. So, you know, she knew me a little bit from that, but not, not really much because Erica's, Erica was a dance major at, in high school. At our high school, we went to, I went to Booker T. Washington High School for the performing and visual arts. And four, four areas, music, theater, dance, and uh, visual art. So Erica's major was dance at the time. So she would come back and work with, you know, dance students, or you know, or, or 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 in whatever capacity, and and that's a, that's a tradition that we've all kind of uh, taken on. As, as you graduate, you know, and you go out and you go out through life, you know, go back to the school and you know and talk to the kids and hang out with them and you know let them you know share your experiences because that's the only way that you can help nurture and help them grow. Um, I, I'm actually going back uh, in a few. Weeks you know to do the thing with the jazz Kids but um But Erica's like so Erica's much not much Older than me but she uh, Be around And then actually how I how I Really got the call was from Her mom Her mom came to this concert that I was Playing at and her mom Went back and told her you know that, that You should get that Sean Martin to play in your band And then the next thing I knew Erica was like you wanna play in my band And I was like yeah. And she was like, okay, come on. I said, okay. And it was about like that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it was, that was a lot of fun. That was a great, great experience.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I take my hat off to Booker T. Washington High School because... You normally hear that kind of thing going on with colleges right. who bring back alumni. Right. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And more and more high schools should be doing that throughout the country and that y'all are doing it and, and that you're sitting here today talking to me and saying, oh, by the way, I'm going back there really soon, that you're still doing it. That's a great thing that that school is doing.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, definitely. It, it was They did it for us. You know, the Erica's and the, you know, the late, great Royal Hargrove. Um the Edie Briquels, uh I mean they they did it for us. They would come back and there was nothing like, you know, you were able to skip class and go to a concert with like Wenton Marcellus in the other room. Even though he, you know, he didn't go to our school, but they were, you know, these people will come to our school and then as as Wenton is playing, you know, in comes Roy Hargrove. You know, and he wants to trade fours with Wenton. You know, it's like, do you go to geometry or do you go to that? You know <laughs> And you could go to your teacher and say, Hey, I'm gonna be late. Or, uh, I'm going to miss class because Roy and Wenton are playing down the hall. You know, and she'd be like, okay, well, you know, just you know, don't forget about your homework. We went through such and such and such. And, you know, and the thing about That's it is awesome. that you had to, you had to do your work. Sure, sure. You know. Wow. But that was like a great, that was the greatest thing in the world.
0: I, I love when cool things like this happen, listeners. Last year here at Nam, I interviewed phony people. Who have performed with Erica Badu. <laughs> so here I sit a year later interviewing Sean at NAM, and he's got the connection to Erica Badu. Go back and listen to my interview with Phony People on episode 266. I'll put a link to it on the show page for this episode at NHTE.net. I do want to make sure that I give a shout out to Taskam because it's how Sean and I are able to sit here and record this interview. We're sitting here at this table with this great DR44WL in between us. You know, when I first started doing interviews on location, I'd bring my laptop, I had an audio interface, I had all this stuff. that It got the job done, Mm -hmm. but it's so unnecessary. And if you're listeners, if you're a home hobbyist, if you're an independent musician, heck, even the touring pros. Tascam has been in business for more than 45 years, so they've got solutions for all different levels. And this Tascam DR44WL, mind you, it's got built-in mics on it if you want to use it for song ideas just to sing into or speak some lyrics into I choose to have more control over the audio by XLRing some external microphones into it. we got the Tascam TM60s. I'm wearing my Tascam headphones, but that's just kind of scraping the surface. They've got things like mixers. They have stereo high-res recorders that you can use to record your live show. Get on Tascam's website and look at all the different things they have, Tascam.com, and then find a dealer. It's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. So Sean, the, the list doesn't end there. You have since collaborated with a handful of other artists, including Timbaland and Shaka Khan. And so I just want you to speak to the importance of one of my favorite CO words, which is collaboration.
1: Right. Yeah, it's collaborating with them was very, very um it was actually it was it was great. I think that no one hears music the way Timbaland hears music. No one. I I I have yet to find anybody that hears music the way that Timbaland... Because Timbaland finds the music in everything. He finds the music in every squeak, every crack, every hit, every thump, you know. And he creates these masterpieces, you know, because he finds the music in everything. And there's no greater singer than Shaka Khan, you know. And I, I had the pleasure of, of touring with both with both of them. Um, working, I only worked in the studio with uh, Tim a few times. But touring with Shaka was like watching magic every day. I mean, that lady is phenomenal, you know. And and it's and even even with, you know even doing shows with Timbaland, you know Tim has a way of because Tim knows the music. When Tim goes out, he does a show. You know he knows the music. He's you're always engaged. You're always you know uh, it, lot, lots of energy. You know there's always you know you know something going on, and he's. Nobody knows music like Timbaland. I'm telling you, to watch him in the studio, is like watching magic happen.
0: But so then you're the beneficiary of it because then you learn so much. And so, you know, listeners, when you hear me all the time, always beating the drum for collaborating with people, it's because I don't want you to think of the CO word, which is competition, which everybody thinks too much about, well, wait a minute, this person might do this to me or they may take this away from me. But you have to look instead at what Sean is describing, which is, it, yeah, you can meet people through there. You can get on some great projects, but it could boil down to something as simple as learning from that That's person.
1: Right. That's, I mean, hey, you know, learning, for me to me, learning is everything. You know, just like I just learned about this Tascam recorder, you know what I'm saying? You know, and how great it is. You know, learning is everything. So now, now that I know, I'm going to go check out this task cam recorder, you know, now that I know Timberland and how he works, I'm going to go try to apply some of these things, you know, because that's how you grow, you know, you know, you know, that's how you grow. And so, you know, now that I see the process of, of what he does and how he makes uh, these things happen, then the next time I produce, whether it's with Timbaland or whether it's with Craig Franklin or whether it's with Joe Blow, you know, whoever it is, I have this knowledge and a lot of times, that's the most valuable thing. That's what you go back to the school and teach the kids. Uh, that's yeah, what you know. Yeah. That's that's what you stand up in front of people and say, you know, hey, this is what I've learned, you know. And there, there's no reason. To co- there's no reason for competition. There's no reason for competition. The reason why competition is really, really, really uh, pointless is because life is too short for it. You know, life is too short for competition. You know, create your ground. Create, you know, create, you know, create. You know, create everything you want to create do everything you want to do i'm not here to compete with anybody but i will collaborate you know what i'm saying you know at the drop of a dime cuz i want to know i want to learn i want to i want to soak it up you know
0: that's why I do an interview-style show. I could sit here and do a podcast every week and just talk by myself. Right. But instead, I get to meet cool people like you, and I get to <laughs> learn from people like you, mm-hmm. and I'm that much more well-rounded in the business. That's right. here's, here's a cool thing to bring it all together. This Tascam DR44WL has Wi-Fi capabilities. What? So when there's a kid that is a little nervous and he or she has a piano recital you want to record it you go put this up on the piano and the kid's like no daddy don't record me and you're like okay okay never mind never mind i just let me leave it there i'll get it after the performance and then you go and sit down and you can wi-fi from the from your phone and you go hold on let me just wink wink let me just put my phone on silent and instead you're wi fiing from your phone over to this thing for it to start recording and the kid doesn't know and then the kid's not nervous and you get it all recorded wow isn't that cool yeah man <laughs> so let's let's keep on going here in 2010 you started working with the jazz fusion group Snarky Puppy and at that point the band had already put out three albums but since then one of their albums won a Grammy for best R&B performance so I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly because I do want to know how you got the opportunity with them but you're still an active and touring member yes. of Snarky Puppy okay. oh, yeah. so how did you ever get in with them in the first place
1: how did I get in with Snarky Puppy? Probably um, probably because I'm probably the most insane person that any of them <laughs> has ever met. <laughs> but the reason I ask you these questions of, of Erica Badu
0: mm-hmm. and Chaka Khan and Snarky Puppy is because... You know, there's listeners out there who are up-and-comers that listen to the show every week to learn from me and my guests. And they're saying, man, how do I get a break? How do right. I catch on? How do I get connected with these kind of people? Mm-hmm. And I want them to hear that there's no one answer. Right. It's not right. knowing the right people. It's like, yeah, a lot of times it's knowing the right people. But I ask the same question a lot of times to a lot of different guests because Sean Martin's going to say something different from this guest on this episode and this guest on this episode. Right.
1: That's right. Well, I can, t- I can tell you this. You know, you know, playing with like playing with Erica. Erica was already established. Kirk Franklin was already established. Um, of course, Shock and Tim they were already established. Snarky was the group that was not established. Snarky was the group of students at University of North Texas, where where the majority of us went to, and we would all just kind of come together and play. Like there, there was, Snarky was already a band because they were incoming to the college at, at UNC when I was leaving so I was because I'm a little okay. older only a little older I'm only <laughs> a little older than most people in the band maybe like three or four months no I'm kidding they you know they were they were coming in as I was leaving so around 2001 2002 2003 that's when everybody was kind of coming in and they were already forming small groups they were already doing things but they that was in Denton Texas which is like a suburb of Dallas and they then they come to Dallas City, the you know, downtown, and we were doing jam sessions. You know, we were always we were always playing. You know, then it got to the point got to the point where it was like, hey, you know, let's call Mike. You know, let's call Mike Lee to play bass on Wednesday night jam session. Hey, let's, let's call Chris. I'm gonna do a go-go party. Let's call Chris. You know, Bullock and and Moz and you know, hey, this, this got we got this going on. You know, let's get you know uh, Nate to come play. And so we were all we were all just kind of around each other all the time. The band was not established though. We were Michael a tour, and the tour would consist of us going to like New Orleans, um, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, like basically like Texas and like Louisiana, in a van with a trailer, and it would be like fifteen of us in a fifteen passenger <laughs> van, <laughs> you know, you know. But it was cool. But it was so cool. We we just loved doing it. We loved playing music with each other. we, we still do to this day you know, we just love playing music. So over time, what happened was, is that no one wanted to give up on it. Like, like it wasn't, it wasn't about making money. It wasn't about, you know, living the high life. It wasn't about, you know, all the other stuff. It was really just about making music, having fun. And this being something totally different than Kirk Franklin or Erica Badu, or it was like a whole different kind of vibe. And I loved it. I, I still love it. You know, it's like, this a, a beautiful thing
0: but while working with Snarky Puppy you've also released your debut solo album mm-hmm. so tell the listeners about the largely instrumental jazz infused you mentioned it before seven summers that took seven years right. to make
1: <laughs> it took me seven years to make seven summers um because when I first started when I first started writing for the album I had I'm just trying to think was I even 30 yet no I know I wasn't 30 um I kind of just started playing with the idea of I need to start creating music of my because I created music, I played music for everybody else, with everybody else. It's like I gotta start, you know, writing songs of my own. And I knew that I'd had these songs in my head, but I had to figure out a way to get them out. So that's kind of where the whole thing happened. And then over time, because when you're self-funding your own things, you know, well your money starts to run a little thin. So <laughs> Over some time, I would do these little things in Dallas uh, called uh, uh, jazz at the Muse. At the it's, it's a place called the Black Academy of Arts and Letters, where we would do all these different kind of concerts, whatever. And so one time, I was doing this, uh, doing one of the jazz at the Muse's and my pastor' church. He came, and so I was, you know, I'm somewhat of a jokester, and I'm on stage, you know. So I was, you know, cracking jokes about, you know, how you know, I have this record and. I have yet to finish it because well, you know i'm basically running out of money because remember I'm torn was snarky but we're touring but like free you know so you know you know i would do things here and there and then i'm kind of i'm not cheap i'm not okay i'm cheap so <laughs> you know, so I, I frugal i'm frugal that's <laughs> economic. right economic I'm, I'm economic economical <laughs> my friends laugh at me all the time i really am but you know so i kind of i like to map out things when it comes to money you know so I was like, okay, I'm not going to have enough I want to do strings here, I want to have percussion here I want to do this, I want to do some videos And so I, I I didn't really have enough money To pull all of that together And present it the way that I really wanted to present it So I was telling the story At the Jazz at the Muse, and my pastor was there So the next morning, because that was a Saturday night That next morning, that Sunday morning My pastor comes down You know, where, where we are in the in the musician's pit And he says, hey man How much do you need to finish your album? I was like uh, I don't know, Let's say I want to do some strings And I want to do, you know, uh, percussion I want to do a couple of videos And, you know, like studio time So then he walks out the pit Up and back into the pulpit At the stands with the lectern Stops everything and says Hey, our minister of music Really wants to finish his album we are going to take up an offer for him right now And I'm sitting there like What in the world is going on? And so he went And so he was like We're gonna say No he, he didn't, They didn't take up An offer that day He put the bug In their ear And told them Next Sunday Bring We're gonna you know, Take up an offer wow. For you know, wow. for Sean To finish the record And so they went had these special Envelopes made And everything You know you know, oh my gosh You know, uh, for, you know for Sean's recording you know, And that's how I got it So I got it done But when I looked At the time Because you know On Pro Tools They have a time Date stamp When I looked At the time Of the first song That I'd written it was seven years prior to that. And wow. I was like, it's taken me wow. seven years to do wow. this album. I was like, seven years, seven summers. There
0: you go. And it's worked. There you go. You know. But so I want to clarify something. So when you would work with Kirk Franklin, with Erica Badu, with Timbaland, with all these people, because what I picked up on is you said, you know, I've been working with all these other people. It's time I create something of my own. I'm going to start writing stuff just for Sean. All those people I was mentioning, were you ever writing with them or was it like, no, I was just strictly there just to play piano. I wasn't doing any songwriting. No,
1: I, I, did, I did songwriting with Erica. Um, and with Kirk, is strictly production because Kirk is a phenomenal songwriter. He, uh, he doesn't need me to write anything. He's a phenomenal songwriter. But if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to email Kirk Franklin and tell him he should put all of his lyrics in a book. I'm trying to get him to do that. He won't listen to me because he writes some of the most beautiful lyrics but that's neither here nor there but like with erica you know i co-wrote uh four songs with her on the mama's gun album um and then like i said with kirk i just i do strictly p- production you know what about timbaland timbaland i just i'm just there you know you know with the times that the times that I, we don't work we don't work much together anymore but you know i'll just you know be there you know playing i play this you know play these sounds or so it
0: was more of a case of I've been working with all these other people. It's about time I just do a solo right. Sean right. project where it's just me and I write for myself, and I'm not playing for someone. I'm not writing for someone. It's this is going to be a Sean Martin release. Right.
1: I mean, you know, I, I really w- I want to see, you know, others have others have seen what's inside of me, that you know that was able to be uh, manifested for them. Not being funny, Bruce, I really just want to see what was inside of me to manifest for myself you know you know sometimes it's like you know you know can i do for myself the same thing that i do for others you know and lo and behold yeah turned out pretty good
0: yeah it's like a guy who goes and paints houses all over town it's like well how about painting your own you know how painting your own house that's right i I guess that's right and then you know probably could use it it's probably probably time for me to paint my own house exactly (laughs) you know (laughs) So that was Seven Summers. That was your debut solo album. And your sophomore album, Focus, came in 2018. How how do those differ from the music that you do with Snarky Puppy?
1: Oh, they're, they're, they're total. Snarky is one big conglomerate. So, you know, there are sections um, musically. You know, there's always you no know, sections. There's always something going on. Um, my compositions aren't that... Uh, elaborate if you will But the one thing about Seven Summers is that I did want to have the strings and, and all that stuff On focus I didn't I just wanted to be piano, bass and drums You know Because I wanted to focus on Where I started I started playing piano So I wanted to focus on just playing Strictly piano You know um, and And those compositions are more they're more uh for me they're more from the heart you know you know it's it's me sitting alone in the room you know with my lava lamp on yes i still have a lava lamp i have (laughs) a few of them actually (laughs) you know you know you know you know and just kind of you know just sitting there creating melodies you know creating things that are singable to me you know so that's that's that would probably be how they differ the most
0: okay now i'm about to hit all your website and everything you like to be called a keyboardist, a piano player, a pianist? What do you like to be referred to as? Um, I want to make sure I do it right here.
1: No, I mean, keyboardist is fine. Okay. Yeah, All right. is fine. Here we go.
0: Here we go. <laughs> All right. I'm joined today live at the Winter NAMM show in Anaheim, California by keyboardist Sean Martin. Check him out at seanmartinmusic.com. I will put a link to his website on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on seanmartinmusic.com, you will find links to engage with Sean on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Plus, there are links there as well for his original music. Yes, you can follow him on Spotify, but it's better to support Sean by purchasing downloads of his music from the likes of Apple Music, which is iTunes. Keep up with him online also so you can get updates on new music that he releases and to see when he is performing, whether solo or with Snarky Puppy. I mentioned earlier about the Patreon for this show. Check out the bonus audio, which is ad-free by going to the show website, nhte.net, and hit the orange-colored support us on Patreon button. It's only 5 bucks a month. Make sure you understand that if you sign up for that today, you're not going to only get what me and Sean are going to do. You're going to get access to all the content that I've released from the past two months exclusively to Patreon. Don't forget that one other way that you can support this show is through your regular everyday purchases on Amazon. It's no extra cost to you, so you're able to still support NHTE without taking extra money out of your pocket. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, scroll down to the tall Amazon banner, and then once you click it, it will open their shopping app if you're on your phone, or it'll open their website if you're on your computer. Either way, at the end of the transaction, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me, which helps with the expenses I have for putting out a new episode of this show every week. And by the way, I don't even end up seeing what you bought from Amazon. So thank you for your support of the show through the exclusive ad-free bonus audio on Patreon. Or by starting your online shopping through my Amazon banner. Now, Sean, if all this that we're talking about isn't enough, you're also working with a trio called Trio, which is kind of cool. Who else is in the trio with you, and why? Why start this other project? Why did y'all come together?
1: Well, so in this trio, I have a phenomenal bass player. He plays with me with Curry Franklin as well. It's a guy named uh, Matt Ramsey. Uh, these are all, these are young guys. You no, know, I don't think they're even 25 yet. You know, um, Matt Ramsey, and then um, another drummer from Dallas. He lives out here, actually now, um, in L.A., named Mike Mitchell. And so this trio, I I did the thing with, um, uh, I did the the Focus album, and that was more piano-driven. You know, this time I want to explore, in a trio setting still, but explore more sounds. You know, so... Trying to figure out a try to figure out a way how to make music that stays full with just three people, you know, and and stays moving. Um. And and there became the trio. But so the one guy's here and mm-hmm. the other
0: guy's back in Dallas.
1: Uh-huh. You're in Dallas. I'm in Dallas.
0: So how because I understand that the three of you are working on a new album appropriately entitled Trio. So how are you doing that?
1: Well, we just divide up everybody's time. You know, so Mike Michael Mike will come to Dallas. You know, we'll record a few songs while he's there because his mom still lives there. Um, his mom and dad both still live there. You know, or you know, um, we did one song uh, here in L.A. right when he moved. Um, so we just kind of you know just about at the time.
0: And is there some of it maybe just kind of sending stuff back and forth through Dropbox or whatever? And
1: well, no, I, I like in these situations I like to I, I like to get the piano bass and drums well yeah whatever my main keys gonna be keys bass and drums at one time and then I'll, I've gone through and I've layered you know a clavinet here a moog here this and the third you know but I kind of like getting the foundation all at one time just for for this record now, the one that I do after that, there had to be a lot of emailing.
0: So are you engineering this, or you're going to send it out to somebody else when it's ready? Yeah, I'm going
1: to send it out to somebody else when it's ready. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I get I get ear fatigue real real bad.
0: <laughs> so any timeline for when this project might be released?
1: We're shooting for April, but it might end up being like around May or June. You know, we're, we're shooting for April, but it might end up being around May or June, only because I want to make sure I get it right. You know, I, I got to make sure I get it right because it's some it's a lot of music <laughs> but so.
0: will but will 3 go out and do live shows to support the yes. album
1: yeah actually we're going to start um even though the album isn't out yet we're going to start going out uh in february um it did we start like in florida um and then we'll do a quick european run in march and then another east coast run in april that, which is why i want to put the album out in april but for the most part you know, But the public, you have to get them accustomed to seeing you in a different outfit. So yeah. I don't mind yeah. touring before the album comes out.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, listeners, if you've been listening to the show for a number of months now, you've heard that speaking of traveling, I'm often talking about the Access Vegas newsletter. Even if you're not going to Vegas anytime soon, start reading the Access Vegas newsletter so that you can stay up on all the things that are always changing out there and so that you're ready when you go out there so you can maximize your time, maximize your trip, and, of course, maximize the dollars and where those get spent or where those get saved, which is a large part of why Access Vegas exists, because they give you insider tips. They give you all kinds of insights so that once you get there, your trip is enjoyable and you don't have to go through the headaches that people go through because they're not reading this newsletter. I get it in my email inbox, and they also give the benefit to NHTE listeners that you can get $5 off when you sign up by using the code BRUCE. So go to the NHTE website, which is nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and then during sign-up for the access Vegas newsletter, put in the code BRUCE, and you get $5 off. You also get access to archives. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee, which you're not going to need anyways. Less than 10 people took advantage of that last year. You get access to their 12 reports that they put out. They'll give you tips about things like, for instance, ways to get around Las Vegas. They'll tell you about rideshare, they'll tell you about taxis, they'll tell you about the monorail, they'll tell you about the bus system. So there's so, so much to read in there. Go to the website nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and then put in the code Bruce during sign up to get five dollars off. So Sean, I'm gonna take a guess and say that this is not your first time at NAM.
1: This is no, this is definitely not my first time at NAM.
0: But you've been performing at the Clear Tune Monitors booth, correct? Right, huh? What else have you been doing here while you've been at NAM?
1: Um n- not not too much. I've learned throughout my years take NAM in spurts cuz it's a <laughs> lot to take in. So I haven't I haven't done much today. I'm I'm gonna come back tomorrow and go visit my friends over at Cork. And, and I visited my friends over here at Waves as well.
0: Yeah, I did want to give you an opportunity if there's any companies that you want to give a shout-out to that you have endorsements oh, yeah. with. yeah,
1: Waves, uh, Spectrasonics, uh, My good friends over at Spectrosonics. Uh, and, and Korg, uh, Korg Keyboard. So, you know, I mean, it's like I said, but Nam is so much to take in. It's Only the strong survive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, listeners... We're going to close today with another one of Sean's songs. And this is one that's called The Yellow Jacket. So before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this one, please.
1: So this song right here actually has a very unique story. Um, one time when I was traveling with Kirk Franklin, we landed in uh, South Africa. I have, two, I have two songs on my album um, that were uh, significant with South Africa. Uh, One is Mediva that I dedicated to Nelson Mandela because we landed in Johannesburg the day that Nelson Mandela passed. Whoa. And so, you know, I had never seen such a celebration before in my entire life, Bruce. I mean, it was unbelievable just how they celebrated the fact that Nelson Mandela lived. Like, it was a beautiful thing. So... As I'm, as I see all these things, you know, the, all the celebrations and they, you know, the chanting and the, you know, flag waving and there's also outside my window, there's little kids outside playing soccer, just as carefree as they wanted to be, and it was the most beautiful thing I'd seen, pretty, I mean, pretty much ever. It's like, it's like I remember when I was that age, and I didn't play, I didn't play soccer as good as they did <laughs> when I was that age. I will tell you that. They were just out there just, you know, just playing, carefree, having a blast. And it was like, man. And so then that's when the melody started to come to my head. So that was in Johannesburg. When I got back home and I said, you know, I'm going to sit down and try to, you know, figure this out. The more I listened to what I was playing, the more it reminded me of one of my favorite groups, the Yellow Jackets. And so it's like, wow, you know, know, like, you you know, Russ, Ferrante and those guys, like, like those guys, they don't really get a lot of credit, but they' are pioneers. you know the Yellow jackets, they're pioneers, especially in this jazz instrumental music game. So as I'm writing this song and I'm listening to it again, I'm listening I'm playing it back and it was like, how do I write like how can I title this? You know I was like, well, it sounds like the Yellow jackets. I was like, but what about the kids? Well, kids like yellow. Okay, cool. A yellow <laughs> jacket, you know. But that, and that's really how that title came to be. But it was derived from watching those kids play, you know, in that in the lot across street from my hotel.
0: But coupled with the joy that you saw from oh, the South man. Africans and their man. celebration of the way that Nelson Mandela I mean, lived,
1: that was I've never seen a celebration like that a day in my life.
0: And I liked that you used the word celebration because I thought you were going to say. I watched all these people mourn the loss of him and it's no they celebrated no, they the celebrated. way he lived his
1: life. They sell I mean they celebrated. It's like parades, not parades but like you know just in the street dancing and you know I mean just you know you know just sending up praises the fact that this man came to this he came to this earth and made change. You know, you know he you know he he didn't just you know do something for himself, he came and created change. You know, And that was a beautiful thing. It was That was a beautiful thing to see.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for making Man. the time. I enjoyed
1: it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank Listeners, you. Listeners,
0: that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to keyboardist Sean Martin. Be sure to head over to seanmartinmusic.com. Remember that his first name is spelled S-H-A-U-N, so seanmartinmusic.com. I will put a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And then once you land on seanmartinmusic.com, you can see all the social media platforms that he's on so you can engage with him. So be sure to like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to Sean's YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. And remember that while you can follow him on Spotify, the better way to support him is by purchasing downloads of his music. You'll see links on seanmartinmusic.com for iTunes, Remember that you'll also want to keep up with him online for any announcements as he releases new music. You heard about the trio that he talked about, and, of course, news on when and where he is performing. Obviously, Snarky Puppy always in the conversation as well. Don't forget that Sean and I will have some extra conversation over in the bonus content that's only available exclusively through Patreon. There's already similar audio up there from each of the last two-plus months' guests. It's only 5 bucks a month, and it's ad-free and that's the only place you can get it. So go to the show website, nhte.net, click on the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button, and that will take you to where you can gain access to the exclusive content. Remember also about scrolling down on nhte.net to the tall Amazon banner to start all of your shopping through them that way so that they can kick back a small percentage of the sale to help me with all the expenses I have for doing this show every week for what was six years as of February 17th. For now, that will do it for episode 317. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Sean Martin. This is the one he just talked about. It's called The Yellow Jacket.